0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Outreach workers in regional Australia say they're concerned more elderly people are being pushed into homelessness.
2: You know, somebody can become homeless overnight, you know, the blink of an eye
1: and you can become homeless, there's no doubt about it. And Jackson MacDonald may be new to the publican business, but he says you can make a good living out of a rural pub without resorting to pokies.
3: For all these big companies taking over these pubs, it's all about getting pokies in there, which to me is not what a pub should be about. You talk to a lot of operators today and everyone says you can't survive without pokies, but we're proof you can. There's no doubt about it, you can.
1: I'm Sinead Mangan, coming to you from Wadja Country, and this is Australia Wide. On this day, 15 years ago, then Prime Minister of Australia, Kevin Rudd, faced an 8,000-strong crowd in Canberra and said sorry to Aboriginal Australians. The national apology was the first time a Prime Minister had formally taken accountability for past government's actions in forcibly removing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children from their families. Yamaji woman Judith Kelly is a survivor of the Stolen Generation and remembers that day clearly. She spoke to Zoe Keenan.
0: We apologise for the laws and policies of successive parliaments and governments that have inflicted profound grief, suffering and loss on these our fellow Australians. We apologise especially for the removal of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children from their families, their communities and their country.
4: 2008 I heard that he was going to apologise to to us and um it was a big event not a event it was a sad thing that happened and there was a lot of emotion a lot of tears a lot of heartbreak but a lot of healing as well and the tears are good but tears of sadness for all of the ancestors who passed on since um, another country's come into our territories and taken over and we're just trying to put things right now and we're trying to help all Australians to try and get on together, work it out. It's our time and we need to get back to that because everything's fallen apart as you know.
5: Do you think that apology has helped 15 years on or do you think? A little
4: bit sorry because um, I was just reminding someone yesterday about um, the Aboriginal deaths in custody and um, I think it was John Pat. He was one of the first men over this side and they really pushed the issue uh, because he died in custody, Uh, rest in peace.
6: The aboriginals of Roban in Western Australia's Iron Country are burying another of their dead, John Pat. Pat was bashed and kicked in a brawl with police outside the Roban pub. He was drunk and 16. He died in the police lockup that night.
4: The national aboriginal deaths in custody became formed And all people from all different places joined up and became a national body to help you know with the purpose of of change and to keep our people out of custody because we were free people before people came to this country and we've become the lowest group of people in, in basically nearly the world in our own countries it's not workable it has come to a crunch and we need to change things, and we're on a federal constitution that uh, is not the right way to go, in my belief.
5: What would you like to see? Because you've touched on what's happening at the moment with this voice to parliament, talks of a referendum. You say you don't agree with it, or where do you sit with that?
4: I agree with the change, but how can you vote if you don't know and have the knowledge? And if the schools are still teaching Cook, are we still British? What happens to us? We're not British. We're First Nations indigenous people of our own territories. The federal government will just keep going on and on and on, in court cases, nothing much will change. Our properties will get blown up, not asked about, can we uh, use this sacred site? Of course you can't. Truth and transparency is everything. Our communities have had enough, I think. If you go to someone's house, You knock on the door and say, is it okay to come in? Let there be peace without envy, jealousy and falseness. Let there be peace without religion to bring about pure spirituality. Let there be peace and treaty to heal our wounded souls and minds. Let there be peace. Let there be peace.
7: Let there be peace. peace.
1: That was Judith Kelly reading her poem, Let There Be Peace. She was speaking to our reporter Zoe Keenan about the national apology which took place 15 years ago today. And to coincide with the anniversary, the federal government has unveiled its Closing the Gap Plan, committing $424 million in new money to address Indigenous disadvantage across areas such as housing, food, education and water infrastructure. Indigenous Australians Minister Linda Burney encouraged the federal parliament to support the plan.
7: 16 years since Governments pledged to close key gaps in life expectancy, to halve the gap in mortality rates for children and halve the gap in reading, writing and numeracy achievements within a decade. In 2020, Governments partnered with the Coalition of Peaks to expand these targets, which now include land, languages and justice outcomes. Despite this, Report after report, year after year, as the Prime Minister has said, progress has been slow, too slow. But now we have the chance to do something practical together, to improve the lives of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians, something that will have an impact on the ground and in communities. By getting behind the Closing the Gap Implementation Plan, and by supporting as the Prime Minister so beautifully said, constitutional recognition through a voice. To do otherwise risks repeating the mistakes of the past. So I say, don't hold us back. Let's move forward for everyone.
6: You're listening to ABC Australia Wide.
1: As the death toll from the devastating earthquakes in Turkey rises to more than 33,000, the impact continues to be felt around the world, including in regional Queensland. Harvey Bay resident Ian Boa and his wife were on the phone with family in Turkey when the second earthquake hit nine hours after the first one on
0: Monday. First, we didn't want to believe it. It's such a shock. My wife was talking to her sister about her well-being. When the second one hit. We lived that earthquake life on the phone. They were screaming around, people crying. We told them to get out of the place and we were still alive when they were getting out of the building, evacuating the building. And it's it's just like, I can't describe it. It's such a feeling, it's horrible. It is horrible to have that feeling inside of you. We didn't live the life that they lived. We didn't experience it. But we heard it life. Can you imagine how they felt? It must be really scary. I quickly rang my sister after that. And she said, we are out. And the building right next to us, rubble now. It's zero. Nothing left. And they got out right on time as well. And it's just it's beyond imagination it's beyond imagination we still call them about twice or three times a day every day since earthquake happened because we want to know what's happening and they keep telling us horror stories people under the rubble people have been killed babies it's it's indescribable you know Uh, uh, it's it's very difficult, very difficult.
1: Mr Boa is one of about 50 people who gathered at a candlelight vigil in Maryborough last night to honour the victims of the earthquake. A minute of silence was held at the town's Gallipoli Memorial, which features a sculpture of Turkey's military leader at Gallipoli and the father of the modern Republic of Turkey. Fraser Coast Mayor George Seymour spoke of the close bond between Australia and Turkey which was forged in the 1915 Battle of Gallipoli.
6: Through that conflict, we have eventually formed a very, very friendly, respectful relationship, which I think is a real model for the world, the way Turkey and Australia are now such good friends and allies, and that, even though it was forged through such fierce conflict by the brave men and women on both sides, and I've been really, really touched by the way that the Turkish government has worked with us here in Maribor. You know, I'm really astounded by the way Turkey welcomes australians thousands and thousands of australians to the gallipoli peninsula every april the way they care for the graves of our anzacs and that's referred to um in the quote here of ataturk one of the most inspiring people of modern history um ataturk um, for the nation of turkey and for australia
1: The whole ceremony was finished with the Turkish national anthem played by Mary Maryborough teenager Kingston Skane. He only learned how to play it on the trumpet three days ago. His performance brought some Turkish Australians to tears, while others sang along to the anthem.
7: Oh, my, my heart was pumping like I think I was. <laughs> I told I'm going to have a heart attack the way I was so excited. I couldn't. I just overwhelmed. Overwhelmed.
0: I had goosebumps. I really did because you don't hear it through, um, especially uh, from a young Australian kid playing a, a Turkish national anthem, so perfectly well, too. It gives you goosebumps. It really does.
1: The 14-year-old said he was proud to play the Turkish national anthem for the Mary Burr community, as it was a special reminder of the relationship between Turkey and Australia.
0: It's awful, really, what's happened. So with Australia and Turkey being such close friends and allies, I really just wanted to do my part to show that we care and we support Turkey and, you know, we will show that support to them as they would do for us.
1: 14-year-old Kingston Skein finishing that story. And thanks to Audrey Courtie for it.
0: We are one. But
8: we are many.
0: And from all the
5: lands
0: that we come, we share a dream. And stay with one
1: more. You're listening to ABC Radio. Ah! And right now you're listening to Australia Wide with me, Sinead Mangan. Australian household budgets will come under even more strain in 2023, particularly when it comes to paying for a place to live. Successive upticks in interest rates has seen mortgage payments jump and many landlords have passed these costs onto people renting. This means across the board, more Australians are experiencing housing insecurity, including vulnerable older people. In Northern Victoria, the Housing for the Aged Action Group have ramped up their efforts to help older people caught in this situation. Rosa Ritchie caught up with outreach worker Teresa Jasper-Dennis.
2: You know, somebody can become homeless overnight. You know, the blink of an eye and you can become homeless. There's no doubt about it. A lot of older women are becoming homeless. There's one case where a couple older couple where obviously their rent was increasing and it was becoming more and more difficult and he had some a lot of health issues we assisted them by putting their housing application in it's kind of a catch-22 because they were actually housed but they weren't going to be able to afford it but because they're housed housing don't see that as a priority because um they're housed but he's since passed away she's not going to be able to afford it at all and she has the, the potential to become homeless so that's
5: how easy these sort of things can be. Teresa Jasper-Dennis leads the work of the Victorian Housing for the Aged Action Group across the Goulburn Valley, from Seymour through Greater Shepparton, across to Yaroa and up to Cobram and Yarrawonga-Molwela. She's also been homeless herself. So I know that the amount of stress
2: that people are going through. So I can see it. I can see it phys- you can see it physically in their body um, when they talk, it's, it's hard to actually um, be articulate because you've got so many things happening in your head so when you meet somebody like that you can identify straight away exactly how they feel and then when you actually, they do get a housing offer, you can see the absolute delight from the time that you meet them to the time that they're actually in there, their whole demeanour changes, they're, even their, their breathing, when they're talking to you in the beginning their breathing is all you know very taxed then when you start telling them, it's like they can actually take a breath in and a breath out and relax.
5: Teresa and her colleagues see how housing stress, homelessness and declining health are all linked. This is Joan Broen, an outreach worker. Homelessness has a ripple effect. It spreads and it affects everything. Like if you put somebody...
8: Uh, or home someone, their mental health improves, their physical health improves, their sense of self-worth improves. But things, just little instances that we come across are, like a client that I was working with needed an operation. Her mobility was really compromised and she had to use a walking frame and she was on the list for knee reconstruction. But the specialist said, well, you live in a car, I can't do it. You cannot recuperate in a car. Yeah. So so she would just get worse and worse.
5: One of the older men Anne Ma works with became homeless while in hospital.
4: I've got a client who received notice to vacate and then he had a medical emergency and he was in hospital surgery and then in rehab and then no home to go to. So it's like nowhere else to go, so he's moved into an aged care home sort of in respite bed um, and waiting for, you know, public housing.
5: Older Australian renters have some of the highest relative poverty rates in the OECD and the homeless population across Australia is ageing rapidly. But public housing is very hard to come by. Teresa says the action group helps older people navigate the complex system. We'll
2: walk beside people to put their applications in it and it is about navigating that whole application forms and if they're not in, they're not counted so therefore the need doesn't seem as high as it actually is. So we want to get as many people in their applications in before they become homeless because that that basically shows the government that there is the need so you know because older people don't like to come forward you don't actually get their proper numbers but we like to do it we will do it in the comfort of their own home they don't have to go to a front up to a service and have all of that stigma or embarrassment that they feel which we've been told that's how they feel we will actually once they're identified or they ring our 1300 number it'll come back to us and then we will go out and visit them in the comfort of their own home or at a cafe or at a park or wherever they feel comfortable.
5: The Reserve Bank announced its ninth consecutive interest rate rise. Australian Housing and Urban Research Institute Managing Director Dr Michael Fotheringham says inflation and price rises are driving the Australian housing sector into an unknown space. But he says upcoming reform is reason for hope.
6: The work towards a National Housing and Homelessness Plan I think is actually quite important. So... Federal government have committed to a national housing homelessness plan, and a national housing accord. Both of those measures are very much about coordination between the Commonwealth and the states. And so we've seen, you know, the housing ministers meeting again, having having that having fallen away for a number of years. We're seeing um, really good engagement between. The top two tiers of government, and increasingly engagement with local government as well, which has uh, has not been a strength. So you know that that broader expansion and coordination between tiers of government and working with industry and community sectors is is the way we need to address this. and so the cause of optimism at the moment i think is is that collaborative approach that the Commonwealth are really pursuing
1: housing expert, Dr. Michael Fotheringham, finishing off Rosa Ritchie's report. And if you need advice and you're over the age of 50, you can call the Housing for the Aged Action Group on 1300 765 178. That's 1300 765
6: 178. This is ABC Australia Wide.
1: When Jackson MacDonald bought a neglected pub off the beaten track and began extensive renovations on the historic timber building, he was told he wouldn't succeed without installing poker machines. As Jennifer Nichols discovered, he didn't listen. And despite a staggering insurance bill, the piano playing publican has succeeded by making the historic Thebine Hotel a drive destination worth travelling to.
8: Let's travel 114 years into the past. A time when roads weren't reliable, rail lines ruled and the brand new Kilkeven Junction Hotel was the place where locals gathered for commerce, conversation and entertainment.
3: Originally it was just a railway hotel and a railway station opposite. It was open for business in 1909. It was shut for a short time. It had owners but no one to run it or lease it. But failing that it's been open since 1909 and it's still the original building.
8: And the piano in its dining room now has someone to play it. A publican who really cares about this character filled beautiful old wooden pub.
3: A lot of these pubs of this era have all been burnt to the ground. There's bugger all pubs left like this in Queensland and I've always loved old pubs.
8: Grazier Jackson MacDonald owns what's now known as the Thebine Hotel. An hour and a half drive north from Queensland's Sunshine Coast, it's off the beaten track. (laughs) There's not much to Thebine, population 145 according to the 2021 census. It has a few remaining railway workers cottages, the occasional house and in pride of place, the pub. It was looking a little unloved until Jackson McDonald stepped in to ensure that future generations will get to enjoy it.
3: This pub game was something I never expected to get into. But anyway, it happened and... It's been a good thing.
8: He made his money in the cattle industry and owned properties in the area for 20 years before buying the Thebine Hotel.
3: It was for sale for a fair while and um, just decided to buy it and keep it in local hands. Save foreigners happen to buy it.
8: That was in 2019. Jackson McDonald's not revealing how much he paid but says he's invested just as much again into renovating the beautifully crafted building and adding a flash new deck out the front to make the most of the view of the mountains and the trains still rolling by.
3: There's 17 people working here including myself now so yeah it's a pretty big thing for a local community like this and everyone is local everyone lives within 10-15 minutes of here. so you know that's a lot of people that don't have to travel to Gympie or Maribor for work. It's turned out a a thriving little place.
8: Large chandeliers now grace the ceiling in the hallway and dining room where historic photos line the walls. Visitors feast their eyes on local memorabilia fit for a museum.
3: Just breathing a bit of fresh life back into it, but trying to keep that grand old feel about it, you know.
8: Oh, great old stairs. So these are the originals?
3: Yeah. One of the last jobs the painters are doing is we're sanding that right back to bare timber, so it's going to be a polished timber staircase. So, do you
8: hire these rooms yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so
3: cute. So there's eight rooms upstairs. here Yeah. Oh, this room's being used at the moment.
8: Oops, sorry about that.
3: <laughs> Excuse <laughs> <forgot> us. <laughs> but, um, out here on the front veranda, it's a pretty good outlook.
8: How nice is that?
3: You look at some of the carpentry work and all your window checks and stuff above the windows and all the French doors upstairs, you would never be able to pay a carpenter to do that today. Some pretty incredible craftsmanship here.
8: Born and bred local Stuart Volmerhausen and his wife Linda couldn't be happier.
6: Great country pub, just need a little bit of a pick up and it's changed. The people that are travelling through Seabine and calling in, you can stay at the pub overnight and at the back and camp and travellers from everywhere all over the place, Turn up for lunch on Saturdays. The pub is just a great, friendly country pub.
7: And what do you enjoy about it most, Linda? Talking to people, people you never get to meet. The other night there was a couple there from Canada. You just get to meet amazing, amazing people.
6: Well, I've been here all my life, but I didn't realise what we're actually sitting on. I think you could travel a long way and not find a little community network like this one now.
3: We've got a a whole bunch of oldies around this area, like from 70 to 90-year-old. They're all back at the pub now. They'll book out the tables Friday night and it's good to see all those oldies come back that basically haven't been here for years, you know. And to see them out and socialise them, yeah, it does give me a bit of heart.
8: The only downside, the annual insurance bill.
3: It's by far our biggest expense. Basically there's only two companies in the world that will insure timber pubs in Australia now, and Lloyds of London has pretty much the only one that will underwrite pubs, so it is a massive expense.
8: So how much does that cost a year?
3: Oh, 60-odd thousand a year. It's a huge, huge expense.
8: And despite this, Jackson McDonald's made his pub a tourism destination without getting his patrons to gamble.
3: For all these big companies taking over these pubs, it's all about getting pokies in there, which to me is not what a pub should be about. There's no pokies here, so we survive solely on food and and alcohol sales, basically.
8: And country hospitality, which is pretty nice, isn't it? Not having to rely on gambling to make your living.
3: Yeah, true. You talk to a lot of operators today and everyone says you, you can't survive without pokies, but we're proof you can there's no doubt about it, You've, you can.
8: He's enjoyed the process so much, he's now bought Tyro's Royal Hotel and the Commercial Hotel in Biggenden.
3: This place will always be the pride of the fleet. It's like my home, really. And, uh, no, I do love the place. You'll never see it sold, I can promise you that.
8: <laughs>
3: um, so, no, it'll be something that'll be kept in the family for sure.
1: That is a staggering insurance bill. Jackson MacDonald, the publican of the Thebine Hotel, speaking there with our reporter, Jennifer Nichols. And that's Australia wide for this Monday. I hope you're having a lovely evening. I'll speak to you again tomorrow. Cheerio.
0: You've been listening to an ABC podcast.